Welcome to the Black Duck Revival Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Wilkins. I'm excited to have you join me as I speak with a fascinating collection of folks, all of whom have in common that they've made a way for themselves by finding an intersection between thoughtful consideration and the tactile work of getting their hands dirty. This is an examination of intention, capability, and craft. It's where philosophy meets the blue-collar work ethic and where I find real value. The 2023 Black Duck Revival Turkey Tour is brought to you by Rome Adventure Company, makers of high-quality and rugged outdoor gear to get you where you want to be on all your vehicle-based adventures. I've got the Black Duck Revival van outfitted with the Vagabond XL tent that sleeps three to four people. It's got a three-inch high density foam mattress, very comfortable, and an anti-condensation pad to keep you warm and dry. Takes just five minutes to set up and another five to put back in the morning, and you're on your way to wherever the road might take you. Please check out Rome Adventure Company at RomeAdventureCo.com. Get on the road and make the most of it. The Black Duck Revival podcast is sponsored by our friends over at Hunters of Color. Hunters of Color is a 501c3 nonprofit. They're the only nationwide hunting nonprofit led by BIPOC for BIPOC. They're working on increasing black, indigenous, and other peoples of color participation in hunting for the sake of conservation, food sovereignty, and to preserve our ancestral traditions. They do that by focusing on their three pillars, which is mentorship, conservation, and education. So if you want to get involved with Hunters of Color, if you want to support that good work that they're doing, check them out at their website. It's huntersofcolor.org or on all social media platforms, Hunters of Color. Now to the show. Hey, everybody. I am back at home at the end. I reached the end of Turkey Bebop 2003 uh, yesterday. I got a, I finished up with a, a bird in Oklahoma with my buddy Joshua Henson over there on the Chickasaw Reservation. And then I skedaddled on home to see my my wife and my children who I had uh, left so many days ago, but this week's guest is my dear friend Jimmy Flat, uh, one of the co-founders of the sponsor of this this podcast, Hunters of Color, a nonprofit based there in Oregon. And I guess this is like the third year. This has kind of become like a, a springtime ritual uh, for me and Jimmy, just like turkey hunting together. And this this year was actually real different because Jimmy's better half, Lydia Parker, one of the other co-founders of Hunters of Color, she was away on business, so she was gone uh, in D.C. So we met up in Jimmy's hometown in California and stayed with his wonderful parents, Geraldine and Jamie, who were gracious enough to open their home uh, to me last year and then did so for me and uh, Jay Byer, who was along doing some photography stuff. Uh, but we just had like a blast there hunting turkeys and just hanging out with his family and kicking it. And then uh, we bumped up to this really amazing property in Northern California, kind of up by Humboldt, this uh, Eel River Preserve. And we got to hunt there for uh, a few days. And then we went up to Corvallis and uh, where Jimmy's house is. And we hunted there a couple days. And 
we we didn't get anything in Oregon together, and then I kind of moved on and had to record some podcast and uh, just hunted for like another week, mostly by myself in Oregon uh, before moving on. But this was like just such a good long kind of you know hang. You get to a place in a relationship with somebody, you know, where it's it's not just the accumulation of experiences; it's also st- you start to accumulate time. And so that's kind of happening now, right? It's like third year hunting together and hunting is like a really kind of intense and can be intimate thing. Just like figuring out how each other thinks and and how you move, man. And like me and Jimmy are definitely a dichotomy of, uh, he is incredibly meticulous and patient and I'm, you know, much more kind of emotionally driven, but I mean, he's just a dude I, I like so much and I appreciate so much and man, I'm just stoked, stoked to be friends with him. I like to get to spend time with him and, and just kind of see the world through his eyes a little bit. And just like a real positive, optimistic, just good dude, like good human being. And I've, I mean, you know, I've gotten the bulk of my turkey hunting knowledge from this guy. And, you know, then I take it and twist it and turn it into stuff that works for me. But, you know, even when I'm out there by myself in East Oregon or when I was in Colorado or whatever, I, I do realize that when my first instinct is to try and like belly crawl up on a turkey, you know, I'm kind of thinking like, what would Jimmy do? And Jimmy would just sit there and wait for five more minutes. Right. So that's what I do now. I just wait and I look at my clock and I make myself wait, you know, a certain amount of time between calling and, and all that stuff. So if you aren't familiar with the good work that Jimmy is doing over there at hundreds of color, I implore you to uh, go to the website, take a look at it. But uh, just, you know, aside from even all the business stuff and kind of in this space, like business and hanging out and hunting and all these things that kind of mix up, dude. But, man, I had such a good time. Uh, and I hope you enjoy this conversation with my dear friend, Jimmy Flat. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Black Duck Revival podcast. This week, I'm in Oregon, uh, Corvallis, more specifically, or thereabouts, uh, the Willamette River Valley, uh, with my dear friend, James Vincent Flat. I know that because he's got his uh, diploma prominently displayed in his home. Uh, but Jimmy Flat, COO, Chief Operating Officer of Hunters of Color, uh, a 501c3 dedicated to facilitating hunting, fishing, and outdooring opportunities uh, for BIPOC people. You nailed it. Uh, also, title sponsor of this podcast, which means that I am contractually obligated to have him on for about an hour or so. <laughs> but really, Jimmy, so we've... Shit, today is, what day is today? Today is Saturday, no, Friday. Today's Friday? Yep. Yeah, so like literally almost two weeks we've been running together. Uh, we met in California, my buddy Jay Byer was with me, and then we met in California and we hunted there, this like really cool property that you've had access to for a long time, and then we bumped up to this, I mean we're going to talk about all this stuff, but we bumped up to this and 
unreal place. You were just like, oh, I found, I got access to this place that they said they've got some turkeys on it. And then we get there and it's 33,000 acres <laughs> on the Eel River. And there's like five other people there and none of them are hunt, hunting. They're just like, you know, oh, there was that Dutch. Mm-hmm. The This guy, he's actually Dutch, but they just call him Dutch. Uh, and he was, I don't know what he was doing, just kind of riding around in a four-wheeler. Yeah, uh, just looking at the the roads. Yeah, just seeing what's up. I think he's like a retired retired road engineer. That's what I heard. And he like lives out there on this property in kind of an exchange for room and board there. He's got a cabin. He kind of takes care of the roads. And then in a road system, I should say that when we entered the gate to get to like the lodge area, it took like almost an hour. Mm-hmm. I mean, this place is massive. Uh, but you got Dutch there, and then you had, I guess, the rancher, and there's like the husband and wife, and like a few kids, and we never really encountered them. And then Molly and Dane, who Molly is the preserve manager, and Dane is her partner and maintenance man there. And this was, uh, was it the Wildland Conservancy? Yes, the Wildland yeah, Conservancy. Wildland Conservancy, man, this property they got. And we'll talk more about that. But basically, man, we've just been like running around and hunting turkeys. And we got some pigs there, too, in Northern California. And, uh, I mean, yeah, I'd just say, like, overall, just having a blast, man, right? Mm-hmm. Drinking beers and hanging out and, you know, being crass and all that stuff. Like, it's good to get that stuff out of you. So that you can be a functional member of society for the rest of the time. Yep. Uh, I've been learning, and don't worry, we're not delving too deep into it, but I've been learning that Jimmy's a more complicated man than I, I think I once gave him credit for. I always liked him. I always thought he was a fantastic human being, but uh, there's a there's an edge to Jimmy Flat that I didn't know existed. And uh, I'm glad to see it's there, man. I am glad to see it's there. I think this is a this is a man you could you could be in a foxhole with. And I think that after he like calculated the trajectory of <laughs> whatever projectiles you were throwing, uh, he'd get it done. But anyway, so we've talked about hunters of color, right? We talk yep. about we've. I mean, like I think if you've listened to this podcast, you've heard the ad. You kind of know what it is. Uh. So we'll, I mean, we'll, it will, I'm sure we'll encounter it in the conversation and maybe talk about some of the growth and stuff of the organization. But, uh, man, I think this would be, I think this time would be better spent just regaling the listeners with some of the more interesting things that have happened over the last couple of weeks. Cause I mean, we've been a bunch of places, you know, strange landowner encounters, uh, like, riding bikes around and hunting turkeys on mountain bikes and killing pigs like real far away from anything mm-hmm. <laughs> uh like as dark as setting in uh what else has happened i mean we've had some great meals man we got to spend some cool time with your family man your parents are a hoot uh your mother we got to bring her up geraldine Mm-hmm. loves that champagne dude mm-hmm. and i i'll have this image burned in my head where i'm like so look we're not gonna tell everybody where you're from right but we'll just say california mm-hmm. uh and 
So what has happened the last couple of years is I've come out to your parents' house. I've met you there. And we've hunted this property that you've had permission on since you were a kid. And then I guess the next door neighbors have a house in Mexico, so they're never there. And they just kind of got this house that looks like no one's there. <laughs> you know, like yeah. the fucking cars are in the front, got that algae on them and stuff. But so I just park right in front of that, like the next door neighbor's driveway. And I've, it's like my own little camp spot, right? Like two years in a row, I can run an extension cord out there. Uh, and then I like, you know, I come in, hang out, we do whatever. And then I go out there and go to sleep. But yeah, so I was kind of just, I was taking it. I was, I had fallen asleep. That's what had happened. I've been out there laying kind of warm, had the doors open. And here comes Jimmy walking out here with two champagne flutes because Geraldine, he was asking me if I was ready to get up and go to dinner. And Geraldine had sent him out with a flute of champagne, which is such a wonderful juxtaposition to the, you know, the, like an old van that some dude's sleeping in a <laughs> driveway. <laughs> yeah. And then you wake up and you're like, oh, oh, it smells like blood and and stuff in here and oh here's jimmy with a champagne flute but yeah man i don't know dude you're just sitting here i mean this is kind of a lot of what happens which is me dominating the conversation but uh yeah what i mean what are your thoughts on in the last two weeks of turkey bebop um well i guess like i don't get to spend a lot of time hunting for myself Mm-hmm. anymore i focus on getting other people out yeah and so this this trip has like become like my the thing that i look forward to every year to like get away and do some healing for my myself and oh healing man yeah. we're getting real dog okay revival there you oh there you go i'm getting revived <laughs> uh but yeah so um but yeah the last two years we've been able to go down and hang out with my parents and hunt the property that I grew up kind of cut my teeth with and are on. And, um, yeah, it's just great to spend time with family and friends and be able to share a piece of something that shaped me. Yeah, dude. Buyer was super fun to have around. Yep. And he like, he got how cool that property was, man. I wanted to be like, dude, buyer, you thought this joint was cool. You should have seen when we got up here by the Mendocino <laughs> national forest. Uh, yeah. but so how did it, I'm trying to remember how it went. So we went out hunting the first day mm-hmm. there at like your childhood property. And I'm trying to remember what happened. Oh yeah. 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 We set up on that tree and, uh, we had a three quarter strut Jake out and we had a, like a single hen. Yeah. 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 And, uh, the turkeys were doing their thing and, at first, Jay was like, oh, when are these turkeys going to show up? And then, like, 9 o'clock hit or something like that, and just one after the other down the road. There's, like, kind of like a total of... No, 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 no. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah up. They were, oh, yeah, way up, way up high on that road. Okay, yep, yeah, yep. I got you. Yeah, and he's like, dude, that's like 10 toms over there. Yeah. It was gnarly. They were all puffed up, and, yeah, it was wild. And so they slowly worked their way in, and we finally got one to have like a visibility. Like it, it came within eyesight of the decoys, and that's when it got it. It, it happened. Yeah, it just came. <laughs> I mean, it just came charging in. 
mm-hmm. and jumped on that decoy's ass. Yeah, and he that was the, the weirdest thing. I, I've, that was the first time hunting over a three-quarter strut Jake, and the turkey came in and just like it like hugged the decoy. It jumped on it, and when it did, it kind of like its arm or its arm, its wing went around the decoy, so it looked like it was. You know, like when your drunk uncle comes up to you at the party and like, yeah, I want to tell you, Captain. That's what it looked like. Uh, except he kept that wing around it and just trying to whoop his butt, man. Yeah, and he kept spinning around the decoy stake. Like, maybe it felt like 10 times, and I was at full draw the whole time. Yeah, we were bow hunting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah bow hunting. And <clears throat> finally, I let an arrow fly and hit him, but didn't hit him great. Man, it was a weird. So we should probably we we should talk about this like bow hunting and turkeys, which is like ultimately like we went back and we because I filmed it and Jay had pictures of it, and I mean ultimately it was like two inches off, mm-hmm. two to three inches further left than you wanted it to be. Yeah, and I I think my also the angle the the body yeah. angle which is something. Yeah. I think we learned a lot this year. Yeah, the the point of impact was perfect, but the bird was contorted in such a way that his vitals were not where they normally are because his arm was up and over that decoy. Yeah. And so that that's that minor difference right there is the difference between And dude, like it hit kill. him, he like fell over. I thought he was dead, man. Mm-hmm. Like I told, and I mean, even on the video, I'm like, "Good job, you got him, dude. You got yeah. him." Uh, and then the thing got up and ran away. And dude, I, I was surprised because, so like we had bow hunted there last year, and I killed what well, we we killed five mm-hmm. archery birds there last year, right? Mm-hmm. And like no problems. Like, mm-hmm. killed them all. Killed them, and they were dead, mm-hmm. right? And then this year, you had that situation happen. And then I hit, man, I shot a turkey dead on, like, between its wishbone mm-hmm. at 15 yards. Uh, like, I don't know how it could have been any better. And literally, and so that bird ended up getting up, and I had to put a second arrow in it. And when I, I plucked it and then I ended up kind of doing like a necropsy on it. And when I did it, dude, just the way that arrow went in, it rode the inside of the rib cage and it just missed every vital organ except like the corner of one blade, like, you know, nicked the heart. Mm -hmm. And so he was like in a bad way, but. He was able to get what he get probably 40, like 50 yards, 50 yards. And then he started getting ganged up on by. Like yeah. And then all toms. these other toms jumped on him. Mm-hmm. And uh, then when they left, went went there to get him and he jumped up and he moved like another 10 yards and then he was done. And I put another arrow in him and it was like, I don't think it's, it, it hasn't made me not want to bow hunt turkeys, but there are some, there are definitely some considerations, uh, like body angle and shot. And even on that deal, man, like I don't, 
like I was really cognizant of like trying to hit it right. And I'll, maybe I'll put the video up or something on Instagram, but yeah, I don't know, man. There's, there, there's a trade off too. Cause what's also rad about it is you ain't worried about TSS pellets in your stuff. Mm-hmm. Like that'll crack a tooth, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, out of, so that would have been my fourth archery Turkey. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, so I know you like numbers, like 25% of them. I had to put a second shot in. Mm-hmm. That's not terrible, but it ain't great. Uh, I don't know. Just, more, I think more thinking needs to be done on it, uh, and you know, probably a little, little more work on my end, and just, you know, just kind of attention to detail. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, it's a steeper learning curve than with a shotgun. Yeah, it's definitely. I mean, yeah, yeah. dude. Those, uh, those birds I got with Jay in Texas, like, and there's been a lot of. I've had a lot of close shots so far this season, man. And those birds I I got in Texas, like the first one came in, or they both came in, and when that first one got to like inside of 15 yards, I shot him with my 12 gauge. And like you can see, I remember it so clearly, and then Jay has like all these pictures of it, and it looks like stop motion. And you can see that turkey. I mean, because he took a 12 gauge load of TSS, like just dead on to his head right and that thing it picked him up off his feet and he flipped i mean just flipped backwards and didn't twitch mm-hmm. uh so i mean i'd say shotgun's definitely preferred method yep that property is weird though and what's interesting about this west coast stuff is there's a lot more opportunities to hunt private with bows mm-hmm. because of i guess just popular sentiment towards firearms yep uh, especially in california yeah 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 it's yeah. weird man <laughs> it's so much different than arkansas dude yeah <clears throat> uh but even here like i have a couple properties that i can i can hunt that are exclusively bow only but that's because they don't want to wake up to the sound of a boom. shotgun i always wonder about that like in east arkansas like you know people duck hunting and then you know like a lot of these farmers and stuff like you driving up in there at three o'clock, the dogs go nuts. And then, you know, I remember we did a, we uh, hunted with some dudes and we hunted on a snow goose field, probably like 300 yards from these people's house. Cause that's where the feed was. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, these people here, a hundred shots in 10 seconds. It's yeah. I bet they hate it. They probably like the money, but yep. I bet they hate it. Yeah. But so what we had, we had those archery birds. Uh, oh, we also we got two shotgun birds on that property, mm-hmm. uh, which was so both. No, we've had that twice, right? Where I've killed a bird, and then you took the shotgun and you went and got one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know, man. Maybe we should talk about that. Yeah, I've yet but, to use my own shotgun. For <laughs> yeah, yeah. A bird this year. We should talk about that setup we were we were running, man, because it, it was really effective. Uh, and you're all like, man, I'm getting a 20 gauge for turkeys now. Oh yeah, yeah. I have a Remington Versamax that weighs like nine pounds with shotgun shells in it. It's a heavy gun, yeah. yeah. It's heavy. I think that gun's heavier than my 870, and my 870 is like a blunderbuss. Yeah, and just carrying around your 20 gauge, it's like, it's like feels like a toy gun. So light, yeah. It's light. It's compact. Uh, easy to maneuver. Like when we were on those mountain bikes, it was easy to pack around and. Yeah, definitely easier. Yeah. 
So yeah, I'm I'm thinking about switching over to 20 gauge. Dude, I'm thinking for those turkeys, dude, because everything you said totally. Like that's a that's a Mossberg 500, 20 gauge Mossberg Mossberg 500 that I bought for Marianne like 12 years ago, and she's never even. I know she's never shot it. Mm-hmm. Like it just, it's really even though it's short for me compared to like my normal shotgun, it's a little too long for her. I think she'd probably actually do better with a with a youth model, mm-hmm. which would be a super good turkey gun, dude. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I'd really change on that Mossberg is I'd even want I'd want like twenty inch barrel. But uh, yeah, I mean. So we've been shooting TSS, federal TSS. Uh, those 20 gauge, it's sevens and nines stacked. Very effective load, like tons of pellets. Uh, and then we have that Vortex red dot scope on there, which is it's actually like the Vortex uh, red dot that's intended for like a concealed carry pistol, hmm. uh, which is why it's a 6 MOA. But, man, it's been great. Like you put that bead on it, it's super super clear target acquisition Mm -hmm. like it almost looks clear through the glass of the that deal uh but man you want to tell that i'll tell you what so let's talk about where we ended up because we can talk about this eel river preserve yeah Uh, we got to talk about the donkey i shot of a turkey that was like twice the size oh no i don't want to talk about that (laughs) i don't want to talk about that at all i killed this turkey like snuck up through the woods on us and I just caught a flash of it. And I, we were, we were thinking, we were thinking, we were calling the birds that were like behind us Mm -hmm. or no, in front of us. And then this bird came in from behind us, like looped all the way around. And I shot that bird at probably 10 or 15 yards when Mm -hmm. he was coming over a log. Uh, and I was like, dope dude, man. I was like, look at this, man. This cool spurs, man. This is all good. And then Jimmy sees this pack of birds and he like, sneaks up on well you tell the story man yeah so they were they're under this tree that they normally hang out around and they got out of sight i was like give me give me the shotgun so i snuck up and uh jay was behind me the whole time and got to the point where i could see their heads start poking up and the first big red one that i knew was a tom and he was like it was significantly bigger than the other heads so yeah. I was like that's got to be a tom pulled the trigger he he was done and when we we went to go pick him up like just the diameter of his neck was probably like three inches dude his head was it looked like a softball it was yeah his so his spurs were like we measured them they were an inch and a quarter big giant spurs big cool beard uh but man like the head on this bird Mm -hmm. it was we we laid them next to each other (laughs) and it looked like it looked like a wolf and a pug. <laughs> it was wild. I I love that. That's what you want to talk about. Yeah, I mean, I was luck of the draw at that point. Yeah, yeah, but man, time. that was a that was a that's probably. The, I mean, I know that's the biggest uh, yeah Turk I've ever seen, man. And then your Tom, you were finding a bunch of like scabs on its breast and stuff like that. So oh yeah, yeah, he had been spurred probably up. Probably getting spurred by a yeah. bunch of hell yeah other Toms. Well, ten Toms running around. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, man, let's talk about this Eel River Preserve because you took me. You were just like, "Follow me," and then uh, took me into the weirdness, <laughs> the absolute weirdness that is Northern California. Mm-hmm. And I guess 
I mean, I guess people refer to like Sacramento as Northern California, but I'm talking about like we're getting up to Humboldt and stuff, mm-hmm. right? And so, uh, yeah. state state of Jefferson. That's what. Yeah, yeah, the state of Jefferson, <laughs> which if folks don't know, there's a, a a small, I'd say a small contingent of people in Northern California and in Lower Oregon that mm-hmm. want to secede from those states and create a 51st state called the state of Jefferson. Yeah. Which would be an unbelievably beautiful place. And I would argue probably fucking lawless. man. <laughs> <laughs> it would be like Deadwood, dude. <laughs> Cause these are like, it, it, you know what, man? It was so reminiscent of like, it just shows you, I mean, there's just a common string that runs through rural America, but so I'd say, like, for California standards, right, I'm sure these, I'm sure these, like, tar paper shacks cost a million dollars, but for mm-hmm. California standards, man, like, we're going through little towns that are pretty economically depressed, right? Mm-hmm. This whole area, for a long time, it proliferated because of illegal marijuana mm-hmm. growing, right? Yep. But, uh, man, God, good God, man, like, unbelievably yeah. gorgeous, Looks like New Zealand, rolling green hills. But yeah, talk about this this property and how you got us access to it. Yeah, so it was probably a couple of years ago, and there was an article in the local newspaper about how pigs are are starting to encroach on like the vineyards and have more like a uh, economic. Uh, they're they're causing some stress to farmers and and uh, it's a, a deleterious the, economic impact. Yeah. And uh, I got in contact with uh, a guy named uh, Landon Pappel, who is the property manager uh, and hunt and fish manager for the Wildland Conservancy of California. And they, they just acquired a property up in Oregon. And they're a nonprofit who uh, purchases uh, larger pieces of property to do conservation work on them, very similar to like the Nature Conservancy or any other land trust. Um, they are technically not a land trust, but uh, they have, I think they manage around 200,000 acres in the state of California and I think another 12 in the state of Oregon. Um, <clears throat> but so I linked up with Landon and uh, he hooked me up with uh one of their property managers and he said hey you guys should go check out this piece of property that's in on the eel river because uh we've got a a big pig population up there and we we would love for you all to to be able to take your uh members and and mentees out there to learn how to pig hunt and so i drove out there and uh to garberville oregon or not oregon no this is garberville jefferson uh <laughs> california california yeah. it's a three-hour drive from where i was um in the bay area of california and um but from garberville it's another three-hour drive to the lodge dude okay but wait and so wait, no, no no you need you need to clarify <laughs> when you say three hours it took us from cavello it took us three hours to make it 30 miles to the gate yeah yeah so there's two ways into the property. They have a northern entrance and a southern entrance. Uh, the property is 33,000 acres, which is massive. I think they have like 18 miles along the Eel River. It's crazy, dude. Um, 
Yeah, it's ridiculous. And so I'll I'll also preface this with uh if you go in from Garberville, Garberville is like known to be like pretty much the center of the Emerald Triangle. The Emerald Triangle is the three different uh counties, Trinity, uh Humboldt and Mendocino counties where like it's been known as like the pot growing capital of the US. Uh and until it it was legalized illicit illicit pot yes illicit. Okay. until it was legalized this is where like all of the legal grows were not all of them but the vast majority of them and there's a show on netflix called murder mountain yeah and the epicenter of that is garberville and and this small town that we passed through twice or three times called alder, alder point. point yeah uh and um so that's where this property is it's it's tucked into the mountains along the eel river uh from their gates it's an hour drive to the lodge and we're going like 15 to 20 miles an hour the whole time so it's i wasn't you were going oh i can but you were going a little faster than me yeah but yeah man and it's just like just dirt road yep uh like next to a cliff sometimes like kind of windy incredibly beautiful i keep saying new zealand it it very much looks like now this is because it's in the spring and everything's green there's been mm-hmm. a lot of rain but it looks like i mean think about lord of the rings or i mean that's what i think about but mm-hmm. like the shire right like these big rolling hills this had been logged like 90 years ago so it was all second growth stuff so it was none of the huge old redwoods or anything like that there but gorgeous there's elk they really saw elk herds. Yep. Crazy shit piles of blacktails yep. everywhere. Uh, pigs. And, like, dude, these are, these aren't, like, these aren't, like, Texas scrapping it out. Like, I mean, these pigs are living good, dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, they have these beautiful pastures to run around in. They've got orchards there. Mm-hmm. They're like essentially unmolested. Like there ain't, there's no one chasing them hard, right? Mm-hmm. Fat, pleasant lives. You know, cool breeze coming in on a hot day. Like this, these pigs were uh, living great, man. Yeah. Uh, so turkeys, obviously. We turkeys, turkeys. or jackrabbits. Saw bobcat. They were rolling in. Lots of bears. Bears. Uh, yeah. So place is amazing and <clears throat> the only issue with it is how remote it is and that's for us to like get people out there to hunt it sure that's been the the, the biggest barrier so far um but we were granted access to go out on our way up to oregon and i figured it'd be a fun place to for jonathan to get his last turkey bird uh turkey and in California, um, California allows you three birds per spring season. Um, and yeah, so we got there, we hunted for two days and in two days we got two turkeys and two pigs. Yeah. Earned that last pig, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, we should talk about the style of the way we were hunting those turkeys. Oh, sure. Yeah. 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 Go for it, man. So it's very reminiscent of how we hunt for elk on the Oregon coast. Uh, we take mountain bikes, uh, we strap everything onto our packs, and about every little canyon we go into, we we either bugle or, or yelp. The one thing I didn't have with me was my bugle tube, yeah. but it, that probably would have been beneficial to have with us is a bugle tube. To, to project it. Yeah, to yelp 
and project our, our sound. Uh, hey, man, real quick, let's uh, let's explain what a bugle tube is. Uh, yeah. It's basically like an, like an old-style cheerleader megaphone. Uh, I mean, the way they started, and a lot of companies started and still do it, is they buy wiffle bats, mm-hmm. and they cut the ends off of mm-hmm. them, and then you put this, like, latex or... Uh, it would be what it would be like latex or uh, they call it prop prophylactic because uh, like condom material. Mm-hmm. But it's basically just like if you've seen a turkey call or an elk call, it's a it's it's essentially just like a, a a piece of very thin piece of latex or something stretched tight, and you stick it in your mouth, and then you can manipulate it to make these calls and yelps. But you'd stick that tube up to your mouth and make those noises into that. Uh, projection device mm-hmm. uh, but so yeah that's what jimmy's saying is he wish he had a bugle tube to because man we didn't hear just a ton of gobbles at all out there not a single one until we were within like 50 yards yeah and they were like up over a hump and down low yeah and they just happened to, i don't think they were gobbling to us were they no you heard like a, a little yelp or something like that and so we we stopped the bikes and we we yelped back, and that's when we heard those turkeys just okay. right over that little rise. And that was the only gobble yeah, we got. And we were frantically trying to get the gun off the pack, get the decoy set up, and then when we realized they weren't coming in, that's when we made our, our secondary approach, which is where we kind of like belly crawled in and laid eyes on them. And then when they got out of sight, you went forward. You got on that gnarly-looking old uh, – it was a not a bay tree, but it was a – a buckeye tree mm-hmm. and you got into kind of like the snag of it yeah it had like a bunch of had a bunch of uh you know trunks kind of like in a circle mm-hmm. and it was just big enough for me to get down in the middle of it which was a fantastic hide mm-hmm. and so since i could see what the turkeys were doing i kind of let out a couple of yelps here and there but facing it the opposite direction of yeah, them. you were you were behind me and up high on top of a knoll yeah and behind a little uh yeah the, behind that little knoll um <clears throat> so let out a couple of yelps and definitely got their attention and they it took them half an hour to it was two times and they had three hens and they were tending them all these man all these turkeys we've been hunting have been henned up mm-hmm. i mean they just I mean, you're looking at them, and they, they're they not coming to you because they've got a lady right there, you yeah. know? And, you I mean, you've got eyes on them. They're hearing you. They're gobbling. They're strutting. They want you to come in there and join their harem, but they ain't coming to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so those toms eventually fed their way in. And they puff up every once in a while. Every once in a while, trying to, trying to get me as the illicit hen to to walk in and and come and join them but uh eventually they got within 45 ish of you and Mm -hmm. you uh pulled the trigger on that first tom and it when it hit the ground uh the second tom came up to reestablish the pecking order yeah start whooping his ass again yeah and it was it was so crazy they always pick up the head yeah well you know why man that's that's totally the most vulnerable part yeah yeah, but you'll see them like they're grabbing its snood and they're picking up its head and its beak and throwing it and pecking it. Yeah, and so uh, when that happened, uh, it's kind of cool. We had I had the whole thing filmed on my phone from my perspective. 
and then I'm going, and then, Jimmy, Jimmy, come here, Jimmy. Yeah. And this is this is a pattern in our hunting, which is <laughs> uh, Jimmy is very patient and uh, uh yeah, you call it patient. I call it indecisive. But <laughs> uh, Jimmy, I mean, Jimmy is an engineer and he, I mean, he's just, he's an analyzer, right? And I'm constantly having to, to like sit on my hands because I'm like, they're right over there. Let's go crawl up on them and get them. But I'm going, Jimmy, get over here. Jimmy, get over here, man. Like this bird is distracted. And Jimmy is like, <laughs> like, like kind of sneaking up. But it all worked out. So you got up to me, you got that shotgun, and then I turned my phone on. Mm -hmm. And then I was able to get to 20 yards of this turkey as it was distracted and thumped him too and doubled up for the second year in a row or, yeah. No, third no, year. Third year in a row. We've doubled. Well, so the first year, the first year, the first day, the first turkey I ever killed, you and me shot at the same time and killed those times. Yep. And then last year on that grass farm, so the area we're in is known as the grass seed capital of the world. Mm -hmm. So we're on this grass farm and a uh, different kind of grass in Humboldt. And <laughs> ho, 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 I am a dad. And we doubled up. We like one, two, three and got those toms. Mm -hmm. And then this year, I wouldn't say that first turkey were like, because I mean, I shot that bird and then you killed that bird like five minutes later, like a totally different pack of birds. Mm -hmm. But I'd call this, I call that a double mm -hmm. where like I shoot a bird and then, I mean, you kill that other bird within a minute, mm -hmm. you know, and could have killed it a lot earlier, but you were like, just, you were, I was watching you walk up on it closer and closer. And I was like, dude, you don't have to get any closer. You can get this bird, but you were waiting. He was so busy pecking that thing's head. You were waiting for him to raise his head up so you could get him. Yeah. The, the target kept moving. Yeah, and with with how close I was with the the pattern and the type of ammo. Yeah, I need, no, you definitely throw in a tight pattern right yeah, there. Yeah, I need his head to be dead still, or at least still for a microsecond for me to pull the trigger. Sure. And finally popped up, and that's when I pulled the trigger. Uh, dude, that was such a fun day, man. And then, so let's talk about this lodge because you say lodge, and you hear this like big giant place, and you hear lodge, and you think it's it is really, really cool, but so I'll give you the quick history of this place. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, uh, Molly walked Dane, in. Yeah, Dane told me. Oh, nice. Well, Dane told me first. But so initially this was like four or five uh, separate ranches that this like rich banker dude named Dean Witter in the late 30s from San Francisco, he bought it. And I mean, th there's like a railroad track running next to the Eel River and this guy had his own railroad car and would like, that's how he used to get there to recreate. And so what he did was he, he bought this 33,000 acres. He like clear cut it essentially uh, right off the bat. And he paid the entire loan back for the entire property in two years with timber sales. Oh, my goodness. Uh, but obviously changed the way the place looks very much. Yeah. And then he started running cattle on it. And so they've been running cattle on it you know, since the 40s or whatever. Uh, and... You know, then as trees have grown, they've done like selective thinning and, and it's been like an income source for the family, right? But, uh, and so he had built back then, like in the late 30s, he had built this lodge out there that's been added on to a million times. But, dude, it, I don't think that they've, they hadn't done much to it 
other than maybe swap out some appliances or something since the 50s. Mm-hmm. So this place was like frozen in time. Uh, I've got a really cool thorough walkthrough I post on Instagram uh, with the preserve manager, Molly Brightman. But, mm-hmm. dude, I, I was just going like, oh, my God, it looks like Teddy Roosevelt should be sitting in here. You know, they got like lion heads and just wild stuff and this beautiful view uh, and like all this old furniture and all these old cool books and just so rad. But they had this like old walk-in down like kind of in their basement area. Uh, and it was just cool. It was like a walk-in, but the walls were all like wooden planks and stuff. And mm-hmm. it, you know, had a thermometer in there and it was keeping stuff cool enough. So we hung our turkeys in there. We hung our pigs hole in there mm-hmm. and they've got this, you know, little processing shop there with these old Dexter and old hickory, you know, wood handle carbon steel knives that are all been sharpened down to nubs. And it was such a cool place to, to work through all those animals because then we ended up getting a couple of pigs uh we were riding our bikes and let's tell this story man yeah so i think we made it back to the the trucks to oh this was next day man oh next this day, was after yeah, the yeah. turkeys yeah yeah so we we're back because we drove you didn't want to man but i was like dude i need a pig tag and they won't let you buy a pig tag you can buy it online but you actually have to have a physical tag mm-hmm so I was like, dude, we got to drive to Garberville. So we drove like four and a half hours round trip mm-hmm. so I could buy a tag and hunt. And we bought beer. Yep. But so then, yeah, that took up the rest of the day. So the next day we're pig hunting. Yeah. So first thing in the morning we're uh, – actually, I think that same night when we got back, we made an approach on – yeah, the night we got the turkeys, we made an approach – from the top end, right where we. Oh yeah, we were trying to get those pigs up on the wayside. That sucked, yeah. man. Yeah, so we we probably dropped down like a thousand feet into this this area where we thought the pigs were, and we parked like way further away than we could should have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, so sunset, pigs were gone. Uh, next next day, we we get up and uh, it was about ten o'clock. In the morning, after spotting a, a pretty huge sow, like big belly at the bottom. Yeah, big pink one. Big pink one, where you ended up killing saying, one. Yeah, yeah, they called it like desolation flats or something like that. Is that what they call it? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> so, spotted a pig there. By the time we got to got the bikes ready, got everything ready to go to dive in after it, the pig was gone. And so we're going down towards the lodge and. I was not going too fast, not going too slow, and apparently Jonathan's behind me saying, "Jimmy, there's a there's a pig, Jimmy." <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, let me correct this. You, you you tell me your perspective, and I'll tell you mine. Jimmy's Jimmy's riding the bike, right, oblivious to the world. I'm watching him. <laughs> He's not looking left or right in any of these clearings that we're going through, and. I'm literally going. I mean, he can't hear me, but I'm literally trying to talk to him. I'm like, Jimmy, man, I'd be looking in these, in every one of these little clearings. I'd, I'd stop and last, dog. And then I say that as I'm looking, and I look to my right, and there's a pig up on this kind of steep knoll, like, I don't know, 60 yards away from me, 70 yards away from me. And I'm like, Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. And then I go, Jimmy, there's a fucking pig. <laughs> <laughs> and he like stops, and uh, he like, runs back to me because we had this whole plan that like 
I would take his gun off of his pack, and he would take my gun off of my pack. He just, like, drops his pack, gets his gun off, runs up to me, gives me my gun. Uh, and then tell him what happened, Jimmy. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, so uh, <clears throat> the reason I want to tell this, man, is not because anything bad happened or because I'm mad, but because this is, like, this is what actually happens, man. Like, we're in this amazing place. There's going to be opportunities, mm-hmm. but... You know, all that indecisiveness quickly went away from young Jimmy. Yeah, I, I get blinded by by a pig in front Meat of me. Meatlust, man. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, turns out that there's two pigs, and uh, when we turkey hunt together, we have a, a cadence. It's one, yeah. two, three, shoot. Yeah. And so, both pigs are kind of like, walking up the side of this embankment they're like a hundred yards nah, less than a hundred yards yeah, away. i think it's probably about 80 when you hit that pig yeah about 80 yards and so i start the count up countdown and we're both pulled up on the pigs and i get to three i pull the trigger jonathan's pig had like just turned like started to like quarter away to the point where it was gonna have to be like a texas heart shot yeah i just didn't want to shoot it like that yeah you didn't want to shoot it through guts um and what i forgot in that moment was that i recently put a muzzle brake on my rifle on a 300 wind mag yeah and (laughs) and he was pulling the trigger about three feet away (laughs) from jonathan's head yeah so jonathan was right in the the gas pathway of the muzzle brake and concussed almost and like i couldn't hear jonathan couldn't hear jimmy couldn't hear me being mad at him because it hurt dude like it it really like that my left ear because it only bothered really my left ear because i was i mean it like hurt and i was like fuck man and i didn't get a pig too so i was was getting extra salty man (laughs) and i'm I'm like saying shit to jimmy he's like what what yeah dude 20 minutes before you were like dude it was really important we wear ear protection when i shoot this gun and we like both made sure we had earplugs and everything (laughs) jimmy just sees like a big black pig and kills it Uh, but anyway man he killed the pig we could hear 10 seconds later and uh yeah, we got up there, and, man, big, beautiful, pretty pig, man. Yeah. We got cleaned up, and that dude Dutch, that's when we met Dutch, because mm-hmm. <laughs> Jimmy rode the bike down. I mean, it was by this road. This yeah. isn't road hunting, folks. This is, I mean, this is technically a road, but, I mean, it's like, we can't even drive cars to the lodge because it's washed out. Yeah. So we were like, we could get to within a couple miles of the lodge mm-hmm. and then leave a vehicle at this river washout, and then we'd either walk or ride bikes. But anyway, Jimmy goes, and this guy had driven by like 10 minutes before. And so Jimmy caught him. The guy came up with a side-by-side. And we were, you know, I cleaned the pig, and we were just get it up there and get it down to the lodge. It was pretty convenient, man. Oh, it was awesome. And then, uh, yeah, compared to yours, it was. Yeah, and then mine. And dude, they don't want, we don't have to tell every single hunting store. But basically, I'll tell you what I do want to talk about. Well, we went down to Desolation Flats. Or you want to talk about how pissed you're getting <laughs> oh yeah yeah yeah. no i do want to talk about that because i mean so i uh i started showing my ass that's probably the first time you've seen me act like a total <laughs> jackass man right maybe not total jackass but uh you're, I, just, I, you're just getting 
passionately. No. We, 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 I was we, getting, I'll be honest with you, we were just physically getting our ass kicked. Yeah. I mean, we were, it was so steep. And pig sign, I've never seen, it looked like a bulldozer had been rooting up this entire hillside all the way down. For two hours of walking, I'm like, dude, there's got to be a pig in it. We never saw a pig, so I'm getting pissed about that. And then I'm like, I'll tell you what I'm really doing, because we're all human beings here, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going like, man, fuck, dude, man. This dude done blow my ear out, man. And I didn't get to kill that pig, and I'm down here, man. And, and, and Jimmy don't <laughs> care, because he already got his pig, man. But <laughs> right? I'm thinking that, right? And uh, But eventually, we get come up out of there, and we'd last a pig. Mm-hmm. That same white, that same like white pink pig, yep. over there in that spot, and it's like a mile and a half, yep. which is what's dude. This is this is it's been a really good lesson for like Western hunting for me, and this glassing and and using onyx, and- using onyx, and realizing that you cannot bomb off because what I want to do is bomb off every fucking hill and just go down and get over there and try and get up, but all that up down shit don't work. Nope. Uh, That's when I told you about Nismith rule. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, talk me, about that. Yeah, let me pull it up. Okay. Continue to tell a story. Yeah, but so anyway, we we get up to this hill. We get to where we get a signal. We call the maintenance guy, Dane. Dane comes up in a four, uh, like a side-by-side. We ditch the bikes. He he gets us like a probably a mile closer because we're also losing light because it's 7 o'clock. And I'm... You know, Dane's like a super nice guy, kind of hippie, you know, like slow cadence. And I'm going like, hey, man, uh, we got to go, dude. We're losing light. <laughs> you know, like I'm not – Jimmy's like kind of talking. They're kind of – I was like, dude, just get us as close as you can so we can bomb off down this hill. But anyway, so we get there. We bomb off down this hill. And like I'm wearing uh, – I made some terrible shoe decisions, and I'm wearing these like slicked out New Balance <laughs> and <laughs> sliding down this hill and like – kind of feeling unsecure but we get down there and we get to the other side of this kind of deep crevasse this creek uh and we jimmy like gets on the side of this hill and he's like starting to pull his binos out and then you hear and i'm like pigs man and then so like jimmy's like trying to last and i'm like i'm like forget binos just get my gun off of the pack for me dude (laughs) so he gets a gun off the pack and we see these two pigs come out and uh yeah, I get one. It's like it was 116 yards. You ranged mm-hmm. it, uh, got it, and then it ended up there was like 12 pigs. Like that's why we kept not being able to see them because they'd come out into the open pasture and feed, and then they'd go up underneath these trees and like mm-hmm. just root around and hang out and loaf. Yep. Uh, so we got this pig, but I mean, it's as far away from any dirt road, anything we can possibly get, and it's low, low, low. And what do you think the elevation was up to that? Uh, up to the road that we eventually would get on. Uh, I mean, over a thousand feet of drop, I'm sure. I mean, the the main road, yeah. There, it was. I think where we got dropped off to where we had shot the pig. I think it was a like 800 foot elevation drop, and then we were about maybe half a mile from like as, as a crow flies. Yeah, from up from that dirt from road. From that dirt road, and so. If you think about the slope on that, that's like nearly vertical. Oh, it sucked, man. It's, it's probably like a, if you're thinking about like percent grade, it's probably like a 50 or 60 percent grade. And then what uh, Then what did I say when we got to the pig? Uh, you were like, all right, you want to quarter this up? 
Uh, you're like, no, we're dragging this thing out whole. <laughs> this, <laughs> this thing's too fat to leave. I was like, it's it was had so much fat when I split it open, man. It was so fat. It was in such good shape. I mean, I, I mean, I was very pleased with the shot I made, man. Like it was. Uh, I mean, I heart shot that pig. None of the guts were messed up. I was like, dude, the call fat's good. The freaking liver's good. The uh, heart's good. And so I was like, dude, Jimmy, we got to drag this thing out and hang it up in that cooler overnight and then mm-hmm. clean it. I was like, that'll it'll be the best thing ever if we do that. You know, because could you leave that hide on, man? It, you're really, that's like the best protection for that meat if you can get away with it if it's not too hot. It wasn't too warm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it took us an hour and a half to drag that thing about 500 yards uphill. Yeah. And I knew it was bad because Jimmy is 27. What are you, six foot two? Mm-hmm. Just strapping. I always, I always tell people he looks like a brown Ken doll. <laughs> All right, and then, uh, and I just turned forty, and I feel like me and Jimmy were both getting our asses kicked <laughs> dragging that thing. We were like yeah. one, two, three, uh, <laughs> well, like, you know, moving this thing three feet at a time. Whatever. We finally get it out of there. I mean, and Jimmy's beat. We're just, we got back to the the van finally at like ten thirty at night, mm-hmm. and, uh. Yeah, there's no getting cleaned up. I just like my feet were soaked because I had to go through all that mud and crap mm-hmm. and those sneakers, and I just like dumped everything off of the back of the van yeah. and like kind of did the feet rub thing as <laughs> to knock whatever was off as I got into the covers and went. <laughs> <laughs> but and then we spent like the, we spent like six hours the next day processing. Yeah, but we came back heavy. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. What it's all about. It was awesome, man. Yeah. Uh, what is it, but so let's go back to this man what did you yeah, think yeah. about me uh i want to talk about this about your uh so here's what i want to tell you what i'd love to talk about i want to talk about how you perceived me uh just throwing a little fit uh-huh. i want to talk about uh, this nismith rule uh-huh. all right i want to talk about how you as an engineer interpreted that convo we had three years ago about energy points oh yeah <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, we'll probably talk about something else. Yeah. Uh, we should maybe talk about. No, we're not going to talk about. Oh, no. Yeah, we're going to leave that alone. But uh, so let's talk about this. So you saw me. I was getting pissy. I'm tr- oh, shit. Some sticky stuff on the floor there. Uh, I was getting pissy. I was getting mad. I was like getting terse. You know, it's like, God. Jimmy, right? I threw that bike. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got stuck in that mud pit, and I just threw that bike, and I was like, blankety blank. Uh, it didn't bother me that much, just because I've been there. Sure. And like, I get there when I go elk hunting, because you want an elk so bad, mm-hmm. and you've been hunting after him so hard, and you've got these bikes, and you, you're just getting, yeah, your ass handed to you day after day, and you're like, is it that? fucking hard to <laughs> encounter a damn elk that wants to die <laughs> yeah it and, turns out it really is man yeah and then you're you're feeling the same thing we're, we're running into all this sign we're getting our asses handed to us you're slipping and sliding because you don't yeah. have boots um and yeah you're you just you want to be successful and so i was like if i've been in those situations and like the, what i need is just like time for like a, yeah, a couple dude, seconds to you myself. just 
when I threw that bike, I looked at you and you looked at me and you just turned around and you just kept going. <laughs> and I was like, I remember at that moment I was, it kind of like, you know, I kind of was like embarrassed. And then I was like, dude, that was an absolute right. Because what are you going to do? Engage with me when I'm being a fuck. I don't mean to curse this much, dude. I've been on the road <laughs> with, with dudes for two weeks. Uh, I mean, you know, I mean, I, you know, I'm not being reasonable. Yeah. You know, I'm like getting mad and just like, I'm getting mad at people that are being nice to me and stuff. And it's like, just, I just, but what happened? As soon as I killed that pig, what happened? Oh, you just turn into like <laughs> the most joyous person. Ever. Yeah. Just, it just like all melted away. <laughs> you're, you're smiling oh, ear to ear and like, oh, look at all this. I'm going to turn this into bacon. And man, your, your mood and like 180 and real quick man half a second <laughs> real quick dude uh man that place was so awesome uh but yeah let's talk about that is it nismus rule yeah I, w before we get there i wanted okay. to mention uh so jonathan before the turkey season i'm like hey man like i can't wait to share beers with you and and like just be sitting around camp and, oh man why are you gonna that... talk about this uh he's like oh i'm gonna i'll only have a beer for every turkey that i shoot and that went right out the window it went right out the window the first day because i picked <laughs> up buyer and buyer's like hey man we gotta stop and get some beers mm -hmm. that's <clears> why i went out the first day man but yeah there yeah i was <clears> there <throat> has not been a day <laughs> thus far that i have you can that you can chop this that up. i have not uh i have not drink some beer or some wine or some champagne no but it's good you're, you're living life and like for me whenever i go to events and we have most of our events are pretty dry mm -hmm. when i get back the first thing i want is a drink I'm like dude i'm telling you man you you get up early i mean look at if you're getting up at 4 30 in the morning and you kill a turkey at 11 o'clock and then you get back to the van mm-hmm like, you've been up for damn near a work day, mm -hmm. you know? Like, sunshine and beautiful California weather. You're feeling good. Like, man, that old beer. Like, that day we killed those two turkeys, and we were just sitting there, and uh, we go, Jay was, like, taking some uh, drone pictures of, like, just us looking at the birds and drinking a beer. Man, that was awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm not – it's not that we, like, drink to excess every day, but no. uh, I did have a – I did have a day I, I got like wine drunk with these uh, uh, friends of mine <laughs> when I like Jimmy. Jimmy's a lunatic and he drove <laughs> like 13 hours straight. And I was like, uh, dude, I know this person that's like three hours away and they got this dope Airbnb. I think I'm going to go s sleep in my van in their driveway and wash my clothes and stuff, dude. And then I stayed an extra night and got a little, got a little wine drunk. But uh, yeah, La, Dol what's it? La Dolce Vita. That's Italian. The beautiful life. I'm just trying to suck up the beautiful life, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, dude, this is, this is like some special shit that, like, I mean, there's very few people that will ever get to do this kind of a trip, mm -hmm. you know? So, and I'm like away from my family. I talked to Bayer about this too, man. Like, I'm away from my family and, like, I miss them. And I also feel guilty because I know it's a shit ton of, work for Marianne mm -hmm. uh, and buyers like, man, I used to do that. And I'd start being like, man, I should, I, 
you know, like I'm feeling guilty because I'm working, but like I'm enjoying myself. And mm -hmm. he was like, dude, if you're going to feel like that, he's like, don't leave the house. Yeah. He's like, if you're going to leave the house, leave it, get everything you can out of it. He's like, when you get home, you be 110% present. Mm -hmm. So that kind of, uh, him telling me that and like Byer's a dude I like really respect and he's been, you know, this dude's been gone for 150 to 190 days a year for the last 20 years. The entire time, you know, he's got like a 20 year old. Mm -hmm. He's like kid's entire life. Uh, and so I was like, man, he probably knows what he's talking about. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So pour the bubbly, Geraldine. Yeah. Uh, and he has a saying too. Oh that, yeah, that, that I you kept. started saying. Well, he just dude, he, he just mentioned it to me, and I was like, dude, did you say? Did you come? Is that your expression? He was like, yeah. I was like, dude, that's profound. But Byers like a big. Uh, what what got him into outdoor photography and hunting photography and everything is skiing mm -hmm. and skiing photography. And he talks about, you know, like Byer Byer says all this stuff, and I'm like, uh, you know, I don't know what that is, Jay. Like he's like called ski touring and i was like what is that he's like we don't ride uh chairlifts up he's like we put these skins like this coating like this he put this thing on the bottom of the skis that allows it to slide up but not slide back and that's how they get up to the top of these mountains and then they like do all this gnarly it's called shredding the gnar mm -hmm. and they come <laughs> down right and i was like is it fun to to skin up that's what's called skinning to skin up he's like no it's not fun at all He's like, but what I realized is, he's like, my body needs the up and my mind needs the down. And so I've been saying that a lot as we've been getting our asses kicked on the ups. But then like when you get to the down, like riding those bikes on the down, mm -hmm. it's like the most beautiful place ever. And I'm like, I'm literally going, wee. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, do that, uh, do that Nismith rule thing. Yeah. So Jonathan keeps referring to the way i analyze the world and it's just i guess maybe like my education kind of screwed up my no it's it dude it's also just your nature i'm just yeah, saying yeah, that yeah. one of the reasons that me and jimmy like we get into like i think that we're like good hunting partners is because jimmy is very like stem oriented and like analytical in that way and i'm very you know like uh, while I while I often think that I'm like, I'm definitely very introspective and thoughtful, but like, you know, I'm running on gut feeling and emotion, like primarily, right? And so Jimmy and I balance each other out with that. But it's real. The more time I spend with Jimmy, it's just so apparent that the way that we, like, dude, you can if Jimmy's head was translucent like if it was clear you'd see like these wheels and stuff and little gears moving when he's thinking about <laughs> stuff like i just watch him and he's where the, the humidity over here is this and then that will affect my ability to drop <laughs> but anyway so he's he's like saying he's i'm saying let's bomb off after these he's like dude and then he gives me this information yeah and so i actually just recently learned about this um at a the western hunting program that we did um a couple weeks ago and uh, I always knew that like there's a, a certain time associated with how far you go and like the elevation change. Mm -hmm. And apparently some British hiker uh, named Nismith uh, developed a, a rule and it, it, it 
goes like this. Allow one hour for every three miles walked. Add one hour for every 2,000 feet of ascent. Allow one hour for every five kilometers walked. So <clears throat> to me, that means, okay, so for, for every uh, three miles, if you're walking on a straight, like as flat as it can be, it'll take you an hour to walk three miles. That's where, a, that sounds reasonable. Yeah, and then where we were at, it was not straight. No. It was basically vertical. So every step you take, you're going down a foot or two. And so elevation gain and the, the calculation for that gets way more critical. And so when Jonathan was thinking, oh, let's just bomb off this and let's go catch up to him on, on Desolation Flat, the closest road would have been another 1,000 feet up, which you do the math, it's roughly an hour and a half-ish to just walk back up to that road. And uh, we were running out of daylight. We were, um, yeah, we had about an hour and a half of, of light left. It's a lot quicker to go downhill than it is up, but we would have been on those pigs like right as the sun was setting. And, um, so yeah, I'm, I also like to bring it back to one of the first teachings that Jonathan ever gave was teachings. I don't know about that, <laughs> but no, it was, it was when like we, we first met that, well, no, that first time I came out here to hunt. Uh-huh. And we were just like hanging out and like really kind of getting to know each other. Yeah, yeah. And you were, uh, dude, as I recall, man, you were just like real stressed and you were, I was kind of trying to tell you, man, like, dude, you're doing really good, man. Like you're, so what, you were 24, you owned a house, right? You were like supporting your household and you're like, oh man, my, the, the kitchen will look so much better uh, next time you come. And I was like, dude, chill out, man. Like, you, you want some man shit here, dog. Like, 24 and you have a house, man? Like, dude. Yeah, Jimmy, you and me are real different 24-year-old spaces. <laughs> I assure you. <laughs> but one of those things was uh, you only have so much energy per day. You got 100 energy points a day. Yeah, yeah. and I think the, I think you have 100. They kind of There's some overlap, but you've got 100 points of physical energy mm -hmm. you've got a hundred points of emotional energy and then uh, another hundred points of like uh, like thought energy okay and that they kind of overlap if, mm -hmm. you're, if you're completely depleted on your physical side like you're not going to be able to give a hundred percent another hundred points towards uh like your emotional energy or, yeah, or yeah, whatever yeah. um and so I took that very seriously and, and was like, okay, well, what does that actually mean on the physical side? Yeah, what I'm <laughs> telling Jimmy, I was like, dude, you can't, <laughs> you can't, you know, spend all your time worrying about your job because then you won't have any time for Lydia. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And you can't spend all your time worrying about Lydia and just catering to whatever the moment might be in the relationship because you're trying to build this uh, organization, right? I was like, so, dude, you got to. Pick where your energy's going, and sometimes all your energy needs to go to one thing one day. Most of the days you need to divide it up a little bit. But uh, again, so I'm kind of talking in, the, I'm talking a bit in the the realm of like, you know, uh, emotional management or whatever else. And and Jimmy goes. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, and so on the physical side of stuff, you got so many calories that you can burn every day. Yeah, what did I tell you, man? <laughs> I don't remember. I was like, Jimmy, I was like, I got a whole lot of extra calories I can burn. I ain't worried about that, dog. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're eating like a bird every night, and I'm like trying to, I want to have like a burger and a yeah. full meal so that Again, I'm like dude, ready to go. you're 27, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm... I am entering the stage in my life where uh, things are starting to not bounce back. What's real funny, too, is like, <laughs> so I'm 13 years, yeah, I'm 13 years or 12 and a half years or something, but basically 13 years older than Jimmy, and Jimmy's mom is 13 years older than me. And so I'm like hanging out with him and talking to Jimmy about, you know, whatever. I'm also kind of, you know, I don't know, I... I I had um, an extended uh, adolescence in many ways because I played music for so long. But then I'm like talking to Jimmy's dad about like plantar fasciitis. <laughs> Shit, man. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, I know what you're talking about, man. Or like we'd be getting our butts kicked all day and Jimmy's like walk around and I like I sit down and it's like, Ugh, like I make that that fucking dad noise because like i can tell my knees got worked and jamie's like ah and i was like yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah you're talking about caloric intake and all that shit man and i'm like dude i got caloric excess take man i need to get this shit off of me but dude i love that you took that you said that was like a really impactful statement and like I think you do apply it with like your relationships and interpersonal skills, but yeah, you're also talking about, well, you know, if we, cause what it was is I did, you know what it was, was, uh, I felt like we hadn't just killed ourselves to get those turkeys. And I was like, man, we'll just walk a couple miles back to the van, dude. I was like, I'm not going to take a ride. And Jimmy's at least you see Jimmy right now. Jimmy's like, nah, man. He's like, we getting a ride dog. And I was like, Jimmy, I was like, we can't. We're hunting, man. Like, we got to – there's earning involved in this. Anyway, we ended up getting a ride, and I was real glad because what I hadn't – what I hadn't <laughs> realized is that the reason it was so enjoyable to ride those bikes that distance is because we were going downhill. Yep. And the other way <laughs> was all uphill, dude. <laughs> I was riding in the back of the truck going like, oh, my God. It would have – dude, it would have taken us two hours yeah, to um, walk back there. All that uphill? Yeah. Maybe more. Yeah. It would have stunk, dude. Yeah. Uh, but, man, that place was so rad. It was such a cool place to spend a bunch of time, man. Uh, and then we got to Oregon, and we haven't killed a bird in Oregon yet. And as Jimmy said to me, I'm turkeyed out. So I'm fixing to I'm going to I'm going to Portland, man. Mm-hmm. I'm going to the heart of Antifa mm-hmm. today <laughs> <laughs> to record some podcasts and stuff. And then I'm moving east. uh to hunt for a couple of days in uh, East Oregon, trying to find a bird there, burn this tag, and uh, or, or use this tag, and then I'll be pushing up to Idaho. Mm-hmm. I'm going to meet up with Ben O'Brien and Sam Soholt and turkey hunt with them for a few days, and then spend you know the last four or five days in Montana. And like initially, I was going to bear hunt. I, I still kind of haven't decided. I'm going to get to Western Montana and just see what I see, but, uh, or I might just go to Eastern Montana. I got to stop in Bozeman, do some stuff, but 
I don't know why I'm telling everybody this right now. <laughs> uh, but this is a, it's a continuation of Turkey Bebop. Oh yeah, yeah, we're Turkey Bebop, and I think you did you coin the Turkey Bebop? Uh, potentially. Yeah. See, man, and I'll be honest with you, I've never, I haven't really liked calling it Turkey Tour because it, it uh. I don't know, man. It, it 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 almost strikes me as like disrespectful to the birds or something. It sounds a bit too consumptive or too rooted in dominion. Mm-hmm. But if anyone's ever spent time with me, if you've like come on a one of the hunt experiences or anything, I say the word, I say the phrase bebop constantly. Man, just we just go over here, man, bebop around a little bit, man. <laughs> Let's go down there in that flat and bebop, man. Just bebop our ass over here. And so Jimmy started saying we should call it turkey bebop, which I like so much better. Yeah. It's it's more uh, it's more Black Duck revivaly. Yeah, yeah, it's like more Black Duck revivaly. <laughs> 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 Shit, dude. Uh, well, so what are you uh, what are you moving into next, man? Uh, well, eventually I'll I'll find the I'll I'll regain some of those those energy points, and uh, I'll go. Try to fill my my tag here in Oregon for turkeys in a couple weeks, probably once the once they're not henned up, dude. God, dude, dude. I mean, look, this is great, man, because it's really having to work and learn different things, man. But buddy, when they're fired up and they just all want in, it's so great. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's so yeah. amazing to watch them. Uh, man, we got our butts handed to us yesterday, dude. Like those turkeys wouldn't come in i mean they how many times do you think that was i think i counted like eight or nine yeah i think it was roughly 10 and then they had probably six or seven hens with them there's a there's a couple jakes out there and dude they came in they puffed up they gobbled mm-hmm. 80 yards away yeah and they just skirted, and just around at skirted that. all the way around us so we can never get them to come in man yep oh god it hurt and i was sitting i like I thought it was going to happen so quick that I didn't really get comfy. Yeah, yeah. And so I was sitting there and my tailbone was just like like shooting pain up my back. And yeah. I was just like, oh, At some I point, gotten- you, sometimes it gets to where like you're thinking like you might blow the opportunity to kill a turkey because you can't sit in that spot anymore. Yep. My, what's this, uh, what's that muscle that runs or that? It's fascia, I think, that runs on the outside. IT band? Yeah. Dude, my IT band was screaming, dude. But I'm just looking. I'm looking at all these turkeys, man. And I just I can't move. I can't move. <laughs> you know, I'm like moving my eyeballs. And I'm like, are they seeing my eyeballs? <laughs> but so you're going to try. You think yeah. when it gets easy, you're going to go out and well, get you a turkey. Not, not that it ever gets yeah, easy. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> when it gets easier. It, yeah, they just become a little more cooperative. Sure. Uh, I'll probably go out and try to get one with a, with a bow here in town. Um, and then, so on like the work side of stuff, I mean, I'm, yeah, the work side of stuff, uh, what we've got coming up is working on a pretty cool project right now, and we're hoping to, to do an official launch uh, with that project in June, uh, sometime in June. And uh, hopefully that's a way for us to start getting uh, having an impact in states where we don't have ambassadors yet. Mm-hmm. And then immediately after that, my focus 
I mean, it's already on that, but uh, 100% of my time is going to go towards um, the ambassador program. And this year, we'll we'll be recruiting uh, another five to ten ambassadors. Um, hopefully, bringing in uh, our first three to five tribal ambassadors. Um, they're going to be different than our state ambassadors. State ambassadors um, operate under the state regulations. Tribal ambassadors are going to work under the umbrella of tribal regulations. Okay. And so tribes that have their own natural uh, resource departments and uh, own tagging and, and licensing systems. Um, and What states are you looking to start ambassadorships in? Um so uh eric thompson is going to be our montana ambassador okay. he's out on the hardwired outdoors yep he's gonna be out on the eastern side of the state uh primarily but eric has a shirt that says we'll travel hat or we'll travel with dogs to hunt or something like that yeah. uh, and he's really excited about uh just showing folks how to hunt um upland game in, in the state of montana and probably waterfowl and, and big game when, mm-hmm. he, when he gets around to it. Um, but we'd really like to have an ambassador in Minnesota. Um, we would like to have uh, somebody in Southern California. Right now, our ambassador, Richie, um, who's stepping away this year, um, he was based out of the Bay Area. And uh, we get a, a lot of people in the southern part of the state asking us when we're going to have somebody down there. And so mm-hmm. we'd like to have somebody there um, and uh, probably somebody in Georgia or um, South Carolina or we've got, we've got uh, Justin in South Carolina, I mean North Carolina. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a growing program. And uh, last year with the first like, full year of events happening with our ambassadors we were able to get just over a thousand people out on their first hunting experience um an outdoor like kind of like pathway to hunting experiences so the goal this year is to um do more than that and get another 1500 people uh out on their first uh path to hunting experience so that's when you're doing that you're like shooting plays Learning wilderness skills. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else you need? Like archery classes? Yeah. So first off, we, we build community. Uh, that's like at the heart of everything because hunting traditionally has been passed down like from generation to generation. And if you don't have that in your immediate family or within your sphere of influence, you are looking for others to, to kind of pass it down to you. And so step one is build community. Step two is training. So uh, part of that's getting your hunter's ed done so that you can buy a license. Uh, next part of that is becoming proficient with the weapon that you intend to use. Um, and then what we, we incorporate on the next part is uh, what we call field days, which is just getting out. And so like if you're pheasant hunting for the first time, you'd, you'd be behind dogs and get to see how dogs are operating. And then um, we also like to build in conservation uh, projects to our field days and so if we're working with a private landowner or, or even out so, uh, on public land uh, we're going to try to incorporate some kind of conservation project where we're giving back to the land because the land is providing for us and then 
that all culminates in a hunt. Um, and so depending on where you're at regionally, so in the northeast, there's deer everywhere. Mm-hmm. The northeast is very focused on white-tailed deer. Um, our Texas ambassador this year is going to be focused on waterfowl um, and some exotic species in Texas. That's Bashir? That's Bashir. Um, uh, our West Coast ambassadors, so Malcolm up in Washington, uh, he's very focused on waterfowl. Mm-hmm. And so waterfowl is like his jam. And I mean, he hunts for everything, but like he thinks that the, his theory of change is that if you get people invested in waterfowl or like at least give them the ropes of waterfowl, they can translate that into big game or turkey or whatever. Um, and so it, it, it depends regionally. It depends on who the ambassador is. Um, and um, yeah, and so. This year, we hope to have roughly 20 ambassadors, and they'll be leading uh, Hunters of Color sponsored events. And um, we also hope that with one of our projects that's, that's coming up in June, um, that we'll have opportunities for folks to get out who aren't in states that have yet to have an ambassador there. So um, they won't be Hunters of Color sponsored events. Um, but there'll be ways for folks in every state in the nation to connect and, and find mentors and, um, and like it's, it's streamlining our mentorship plat or process. Our mentorship process in the beginning was connecting people one-to-one that was in itself a full-time job. And so we adopted the community based mentorship model. Um, but then we're, we're going back towards the one-on-one style and we're doing that through, um, an automated system. So cool, man. A lot Making a difference, Jimmy. Yep. Yep. And, uh, yeah, Lydia just got back from DC where she was talking to a lot of very influential, powerful people in this country about, um, how to make the outdoors more available and, and accessible to BIPOC communities. And, um, yeah. And we, we hope to continue to, to push forward and, get more people involved so that maybe down the road, somebody else will come up with a, a beep bop of their own. Mm, stay out of my beep bopping. <laughs> <laughs> well, so yeah, I'm going to finish getting my van together and take a shower at your house. Uh, and then what, we're going to go have a one last shared meal. Mm-hmm. And then I'm off to Portland, the heart of Antifa. <laughs> Or you're gonna go get your knife sharpened. Oh yeah, I'm gonna stop by Benchmark. I'm gonna need to before I go to Portland, man. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, the last time I was outside, the last time I was in Portland, I was uh, I recorded a podcast uh, with Amanda Lucier, and I'm like leaving. They got this cool ass house and this real neat house in like Portland, up on a hill or something. And I'm driving through, man, and you know you're like. Like, dude, just uh, the visibility of homelessness and, uh, you know, just the problem with fentanyl and all that is like, it's it's right out in the open in Portland, right? Mm-hmm. And I just remember, <laughs> this this is tragic and also funny. Uh, <laughs> but I just remember, I'm like driving down the road and it's like early in the morning, right? And I'm driving down this like line of tents and I just see this. 
you know, like like a zipper. It's like a split zipper on the tent. Like it's kind of divided the triangle or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I just see this. I just see this uh, butt stick out of it, like bare butt. <laughs> and then this guy just backs out. You know, he kind of bent over and just backs out. And he ain't got no pants on. And he was uh, just waking up, man. Just out there on the street just... You know, getting some fresh air on his bits and pieces, I guess. Nice. But I was like, what the hell, man? <laughs> That's just a dude's butt, man. <laughs> um, when you got to go, you got to go. I guess, well, no, he wasn't going. <laughs> he was just, I mean, you know, he just. Just getting some breeze. Yeah, it's probably easier to stand up outside the tent, I guess. But yeah. I was like, whoa, dude. Yeah. I'm not used to seeing, well, I am used to seeing butts in the morning, but normally it's little kids saying, wipe me, daddy. <laughs> It's your duty to clean my booty. <laughs> uh, we're we're. I think we've run out of stuff to talk about. Well, your uh, your van will. You just park it next to any other of the vans that are set up along the roads yeah. in Portland. Yeah. It'll 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 stick out because it's not tagged and <laughs> it's got three or four inflated wheels and. Yeah, yeah, no, no, man, I'm not. I, I won't. I won't be spending the night in Portland. <laughs> I'm gonna push on. <laughs> push on to the east. There you go. Uh, Anyway, dude, well, uh, I'll probably say some nice things about you in the intro that I do this, man, but shit, Jimmy, it's been a absolute fucking joy and a pleasure to hang out with these last couple of weeks, man, and uh, yeah, dude, you're a great dude, man, I'm proud of you, man, keep doing good work. Thank you. 2024, what, what is, I know you've talked about it a little bit, but. What, tur are, for are, Turkey are, Bebop? Yeah, Turkey Bebop 2024. Well, so. I've got to figure it out. I think it would time out. But so I want to bring Marianne. I'd like us to go do that California run. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to bring Marianne out there with me uh, to, like, take pictures and just hang out because I think she'd really enjoy it. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think next year, man, I'm going to be going, I'm going to be going, like, across the southeast and then up, end up in Maine. I, like, want to go see, like, I want to go to Florida, chase an Osceola. I want to... Uh, go in like kind of the heart of turkey hunting culture, right? So like Georgia and mm -hmm. uh, Mississippi and all that. Uh, I want to bump up to Virginia and hunt with Wade Trong and Rachel Owen of Elevated Wild. And then there's David Joy and Worth Parker in North Carolina. Uh, possibly your uh, family property in South Carolina. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I got a buddy in vermont and he gets on turkeys pretty good i've there's a dude who's a a board member in bha named brian bird in new york that i want to holler at he seems, seems like he stays on turkeys in new york yeah and then my friend Alyssa, who <laughs> i got wine drunk with her and her friend tibby the other day uh she lives in maine and dude the video she sends me of like her yard are, is insane <laughs> and so i'd like to go and maine has like the latest season like i think I think the main turkey season runs into June, mm -hmm. so because it's so far north. So I, what we could probably do is like early in California, and uh, then uh, go do the southeast. And obviously, man, Sweet. you should you should just fly out somewhere in the southeast and ride in the van for. Uh, yeah, I'll join you for I'll join you for South Carolina. Yeah, yeah, and uh, California. But yeah, the Brian Bird is a mentor of ours. Um, oh really? Yeah, and he, he he was at a I mean, he's been at a 
bunch of events, but one that I showed up to um, in New York a couple years ago. Brian, in his his youth, was a uh, a butcher. Oh, really? He was the butcher I was talking about who lost count of how many deer he had processed after three thousand. Ooh, I didn't know that, dude. Yeah, so he is. He, it, it's like watching a an artist yeah break apart uh a deer it, it was like he knew exactly where every single tendon was mm-hmm. when he's pulling the the lower leg off just like just snapping it off and like yeah. me i'm like always f- like fiddling around with oh there's that tendon and yeah there's sure. that joint um yeah he broke an entire deer down and like while giving instruction in like 20 minutes dude and like, like ready to go and to get wrapped up in about twenty minutes. And I was like, one day I hope to get to that point. But here on the on the on the West Coast, we don't. You'd have to, you'd have to have a lot of property, have access to, or have a lot of money to kill enough animals to get that good. To get that good. But on the East Coast, where there's so many deer, I mean, one of our ambassadors obeyed out of. Uh, he's like. He's like Morgantown, West Virginia, which is just on the border of Pennsylvania. Um, he killed, I think he said 10 or 12 deer this, this good year. Good Lord. And so like yeah, there, you, there are places in this country good. where you can get very proficient. Alabama, you can kill a deer a day for the entire season. Yeah. Uh, you come to Arkansas and crank out several whitetails if you wanted to. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Jimmy, I was – I tried to wrap this up it's, it's a few <laughs> minutes ago, and you're going on one of your tangents, which is what this podcast is about. But uh, anyway, all right, dude. Well, yeah, let's go eat some. Let's go eat some French toast. And get some calories. In there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> your caloric deficit. Yeah, so not can, mine. So I can do some gardening today. Yeah, 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 man. Uh, cool. Well, all right, Jimmy. Thanks a bunch, dude. And uh, folks, thanks for listening. Until next time. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening all the way through to this episode of the Black Duck Revival podcast. As always, produced and brought to you by me, Jonathan Wilkins, and Brian Sachs. Uh, I think we've got one more podcast coming from Turkey Bebop 2003, so we'll have that coming up here uh, next week, or as Hal Herring says, in a week to 10 days. Uh, And man, I, I hope you guys have been enjoying following along with my 28 day long trip all the way out there you know so we did texas california oregon colorado new mexico uh finished up in oklahoma just an experience and, and you know like a time that it's kind of hard to describe just having enough time to just let stuff breathe you know like your knowledge base has some time to breathe and just expand and settle in and your relationships with people and and all of that man so it's been so fun uh keeping you guys kind of abreast of what's going on and we'll be doing more of that stuff a lot more of that kind of stuff uh i think is you know whatever this is black duck revival is going to move into that wanderlust i think a bit more heartily so uh, keep up with that stuff on the website. We'll start making some changes and updating the website here, and we'll get those hunt dates out here in the, the coming weeks. And then follow along on Instagram, just uh, Black Duck Revival. 
that's the tag and uh, see what we're up to, see what we're doing. If you enjoy the podcast, please take a minute and leave a review. I really appreciate uh, our buddy Kip here in Arkansas just put one up. Uh, and I've, I've gotten a couple of really beautiful emails that uh, I'm apologize I've, as we talked about before I'm bad with that stuff but I'm going to get uh, get responses out to all y'all and uh, just know that I, I have been reading it and I'm just so appreciative that, that folks listen to these conversations and, and seem to get something out of it so until next time folks we'll see you later <laughs>